This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Rizwan Merchant. He's the CEO of Media Merchant, and he's my first ever guest from Pakistan. Rizwan has over a decade of experience in the Pakistan media industry, and he's been at agencies like Starcom and OMD. After getting a degree in accounting in the U.S., he returned to Pakistan to join Mediacom as the finance lead, working on their agency internal systems and processes. That understanding and working with clients like P&G, Reckitt Benkiser, and many others that led him to a career in media audits. On the show today, we talk about ANA transparency report dating back to 2016 and why media audits are still equally as important today as they ever were back then and why marketers aren't really paying much attention, frankly, to how their media dollars are being spent. And it's not a U.S. problem. It's a global problem. So I hope you enjoy this show with Rizwan Merchant. Well, Rizwan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, you are my first ever guest from Pakistan. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored. I know. Well, I'm, I'm honored myself. So we've done other countries, but never Pakistan. How's life treating you there? And what's the country like, if you don't mind? I, I've never been. It looks beautiful in pictures I've seen. Uh, it, it is beautiful. And especially in this weather, 
especially up north uh, in Pakistan, it's uh, it started snowing and it's uh, getting pretty good, pretty beautiful over there. I haven't been there, but I, I also see that in pictures as well. So, uh, but uh, before we move on, I think I should uh, thank you, thank uh, Babar Javed who introduced uh, us and that is how uh, we got in touch. So Pakistan market uh, overall uh, is again, is a growing market, Southeast Asia, if you see uh, between China and India, we don't get noticed that much because those are the two big neighbors that we have. But uh, Pakistani market has all the, uh, uh, what you say, ingredients to go for the growth. And especially uh, with regards to media over the past uh, decade or so, the media has boomed immensely. The spending level has improved from, uh, at time, we was uh, uh, less than $100 million industry, media industry. And now we have crossed $550 million in terms of uh, advertising spends. So it's a growing market. We have uh, quite a few uh, affiliations in, in Pakistan. We have biggest uh, advertiser on the FMCG side. We have Unilever, uh, followed by Procter & Gamble, Rekit Benkiza. Although we don't have the SC Johnson uh, that much active. Beverage front, we have Pepsi and Coca-Cola, one of the biggest rivalries. Then moving on, we have the telcos, uh, where we have uh, Wimplecom. Uh, we have China Mobile. We have Telenor. So all of them uh, in the market actively playing their role. So uh, very interesting times uh, in the past uh, decade or so. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about your um, your career path and how you found yourself in media auditing. Uh, well, very interesting uh, story <laughs> that I have. I'm actually an accountant by education. I got my master's in accounting from USA and joined, uh, came back to Pakistan in 2004 and joined Mediacom. At that time, uh, Mediacom was uh, operated uh, as an affiliate and uh, Mindshare at that time was working separately. So it wasn't Group M under WPP, but these both companies were working separately. So I joined in on the finance side. And uh, at that time, the company was, we, since it was a growing phase, in 1996, the media buying concept was in, got introduced in Pakistan. So it was pretty new, almost eight years. People were still treading uh, the waters at that time. So joined Mediacom, started to work on the finance side, set up the processes, settled down the client audits uh, that were happening at that time and uh, aligned many processes with the client and uh, under my belt got uh, Procter & Gamble to give uh, one of the highest ratings to an agency processes uh, during my time. And from then onwards, I moved on, uh, launched OMD in Pakistan, again, through an affiliate partner, worked there, grew that business to, uh, to about uh, 200 million rupees, and then moved on from there. And at that time, the, the industry has grown to a level where there were a lot of media outlets, there were a lot of... Uh, things going on in the market, uh, which was less of my liking. Uh, so moved on from there and started my uh, media audit or media assurance and consultancy. And I've been doing that since 2015. Well, I can only imagine that your experience on the inside at the media agencies gives you an unparalleled understanding of how to do audits. <laughs> Most definitely. In fact, uh, I was just going through uh, the ANA report and one of the whistleblowers uh, uh, who got uh, the attention of the U.S. advertisers was uh, John Mandel, who was the ex-CEO of MediaCom uh, Worldwide. So he was one of the key whistleblowers and I've 
we have worked on the agency side, I know exactly what uh, goes behind the doors. Well, let's talk about that ANA transparency report. And in your mind, like what were the major findings, especially since you've worked on both sides now? Uh, see, ANA has identified based on the research that they have done uh, and the, the various interviews that K2 uh, conducted for them. So their identification was mostly with uh, through interviews. And I have actually sat on the agency side and have seen uh, all of these happening uh, in practice. So uh, I'll just list down a few areas that ANA identified. One of the biggest one was the rebates that the agencies were uh, receiving from the media on the spending that they were making to the media, which was received from the advertisers. So it was basically the rebates received by the agency based on the advertiser money which the advertiser uh, perceived that they had the right to those rebates and the agency uh, did not have the right for that. The second thing that they identified was the principal transactions that the agency holding companies were in play and the agencies were buying inventory through the holding companies, basically doing transfer pricing, if I use the accounting term. So they were doing the transfer pricing when they were managing these transactions. One of the third one that they identified was that the agencies were uh, selling free media that they were received they received from the media houses, which are the channels and the radio channels and the digital, and they were selling that free inventory to the clients to the advertisers which they received as free. So again, they received that free inventory based on the spending that they have done with a certain media and that again that money was the money that the advertisers gave them so again that was a question mark uh, uh, that k2 report the ana report raised then uh, they went on to the uh, advertiser side as well and they identified a few areas where they say that the advertisers uh, were trusting blindly uh, uh, the agent they were trusting the agencies blindly and they were not questioning them or they didn't have the contracts in place to bind the agencies not to indulge in such uh, transactions and that was uh, a failure on the part of, of the advertisers as well so all of these areas that they identified a few areas which i believe they didn't identify were uh, the areas where the agencies were the owners of the mediums that they were trying to sell to or to push through the media plans to the advertisers. Secondly, the financial model or the finance process that didn't go, got questioned by ANA that why the process continued to the way it was. And I'll give you a solution to that later in our discussion as well that uh, why or how it can be uh, uh, resolved the situation. And it is a very uh, easy process to, to follow. So all of these areas that the ANA identified, but see, again, ANA identified these issues. However, we need to understand why this happened. And I think the background is very important, uh, why the agencies or why such report came into existence and why were these identified. And I, I'll just take you through uh, a few uh, areas or few examples, I must say. Uh, see, the media buying house, the concept uh, came into existence uh, when the media buying houses went to the advertiser and suggested two things. One, they can work on data analytics and identify the target audience that the advertiser is the advertisers are looking for and buy it at the cheapest cost possible. So that was the first thing that they came up with. The second was 
the commission earlier especially in pakistan earlier the agencies the creative agencies who were handling the media as well they were charging 15% commission on the media releases whereas the media buying houses came in and they said we will charge 3% so these were the true two pretense on which the media buying came into existence so basically you had a discount house or a media walmart on your hand a dis- so a discount ticking bomb i would say which got identified by ana that makes a lot of sense to your point like a, a walmart came to the everyday low prices that <laughs> showed up <laughs> so interesting so see when, when you start off uh, with an agency based on the discounts and the advertisers kept on and i've sat on the agency side as well the clients have always pushed us for more discounts and not discounts in terms of uh, getting more audience for them uh, within the same money but they wanted the discount in absolute terms so for example if they were spending 100 rupees uh, to reach out to 1000 people they wanted to reach out to 1000 people but they wanted the cost to reduce to 95 so in absolute terms so that is what the advertisers has have always looked for without realizing the fact that the agencies are there in the business to make money as well right right well and it seems like that you could play to your point about the ana report you can place blame frankly on both sides of the transaction and basically what you've described is a shifting of the profit pool right like from margins on one side of the transaction to margins on the other side of the transaction and it seems like unfortunately for the media owners i guess unless the are the media outlets i should say unless they're owned by the media company that's placing the advertising they're getting squeezed in this entire value chain that is exactly what was happening and see for the media outlets it was easy for them to go to a single agency and sell their inventory to them versus going to many clients and selling it to them that again is a disconnect that was exploited by the media agencies that there is a disconnect between the client at the advertiser and the media outlet and that that got exploited by the agencies the ana report if i'm not mistaken it was based on the us but you've seen this in pakistan and i'm assuming other places as well this is not a us phenomena this is a global issue yes it it certainly is a global issue uh, although in us there are certain rules and regulation like wfa has released uh, their rules and regulation the contractual terms that the advertiser should adopt uh, the wfa has come up with uh, certain rules and regulations with respect to digital usage how the advertiser should go about it and uh, certain guidelines that they have come up with which has helped in pakistan unfortunately that has not happened yet although the ana report uh, or the issues are much worse in pakistan so much so that uh, there is a conflict of interest uh, at many areas where the agencies have started to own the media that they are pushing to the advertisers and the advertisers uh, in the scheme of things are accepting it because one they uh, have not been able to hire an independent assurance or a consultant who can tell them what exactly is going behind and to uh, the way the agency position them there is a gray area all the way there is less transparency with respect to the transactions happening in pakistan on the media agency front i mean i guess as somebody in media with a podcast <laughs> but more importantly connections to journalism 
and the pursuits therein with early background in college. And, and then I can't help but like think about what this is doing to the news and the content that's available for consumption by consumers. Meaning that one, as the media outlets are getting squeezed, I'm sure they're having to cut back from time to time on covering certain things. And two, as the media houses begin kind of like vertical integration, buying media properties or, or taking control of them. Now we're in a situation where we're basically making content for advertisers. And I don't know who that serves other than the advertiser, maybe. <laughs> but does it serve the public good? There's a lot of questions in there. I don't expect you have answers to them, but it, I can't help but think about them. Uh, Bill, that you, you've uh, uh, pointed it out rightly. The greater good is not there on the part of me when it comes to media. The content is there because the media outlets, unfortunately, and I talk about television specifically, television is the biggest medium in Pakistan, although digital is growing and it's growing on tremendous pace. Again, unfortunately, uncontrolled in an uncontrolled environment, the digital is growing, but we'll talk about that on a later point. On television specifically, television in Pakistan, if I own a television channel, the only source of revenue that I have is advertising, unfortunately. See, so I don't have a subscription-based uh, pool where I get the money from. So advertising is the only source of income for me. So that is how Pakistan, that is how uh, media outlets are so deprived when it comes to uh, revenue source. So the content again goes on the back burner. The biggest challenge is to invest in the content which gets more advertising revenue. And to get more advertising revenue, the best way is to incentivize the agencies. So the more incentive they give to the agency, the more business they get. And the agencies are there to push that uh, agenda. And I recently saw Barber's post on Facebook where he was asking that whether the media plan should dictate the buy or the buy should dictate the media plan. So basically, he's trying to ask that, okay, if the agency has already committed a certain business with a, with a uh, television station, so the agency will definitely push it in the media plan that they are suggesting to the advertiser. And whereas the process should be vice versa, whereas the advertiser should dictate the media plan, and then the agency goes out in the market and do the media buying. So the process, unfortunately, is, is toppled when it comes to the Pakistan market. And that is happening. Again, there is another area which ANA did not identify is that the clients, when they are doing evaluations of the media that they are buying or they are being proposed by the agency, they are not conducting an independent evaluation of those media buys, neither pre-buy or nor are they doing it post-buy. So once the buying is done, once the campaign is being executed, there is a post-buy. And that also requires an independent evaluation in terms of the audience that got delivered, in terms of the money that got spent, and in terms of the payments that got made. So all these three areas are required to get audited through a third party, which verifies independently whether all of that delivers their contractual arrangement or not. Another area, uh, which is the setting up of the contract and what needs to be included in the contract. 
See, after the ANA report, there were certain guidelines that, that came out. And I give you an example from, uh, from our market. I've worked uh, with telecoms. So I worked with two uh, companies working with the same agency group. So the agency group was the same. They were working under the same umbrella. And both the client, both the advertisers were working with different agencies, but under the same umbrella. So I went to one and asked them, okay, uh, how did you perform last year? And they said amongst all of the advertisers in our industry, in, in telco industry, we were ranked number one in terms of the key performance indicators that we set. I said, okay, great. Uh, job done well by your agency and you are happy as well. They said, yes, we are happy. I went to the other, uh, their competitor, and I asked the same question. And they said, we are number one when it comes to uh, our key performance indicator. I was like, you are under the same umbrella, agency umbrella. How can you both be number one? So there is a problem sim somewhere, somehow, which needs to be identified and verified. And that is where the media audit or media assurance service comes in, which requires a specialized uh, consultant or a service provider who understand what media is all about. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Makes sense. You just described kind of like some of the big issues that clients or marketers should be thinking about, like the need for this independent evaluation of the media by either pre or post or both. And then the contract, how you're evaluating the players within the contract and the contract itself. Are there any other areas that you think listeners should be thinking about? Or do you feel like we've covered the big ones? See, the majority is basically the governance. The governance comes through the contract. So if the contract is, is signed in a robe or uh, is developed in a robust manner uh, where uh, the advertiser has the right to audit, whether the advertiser has the right to set the required KPIs, where the, uh, the advertiser has the right to question the agency and update the processes, the media processes that are required. I think that that covers it all. And I give you an example on the KPIs. Uh, and uh, again, from a live example, working with uh, various clients and agencies, I started working with a client where the client got delivered a KPI, uh, the target was, was set at 100 and the agency delivered 80% KPI and uh, it, which was better because uh, the target was to deliver anything lower than 100. So the agency delivered in 80. The next year, same thing happened. So my simple question to the advertiser was, the agency has been delivering for the past two years at 80. So why don't you revise your KPI to 80 instead of setting it at 100? It's a simple math. And they were like, oh yes, we can do that. So setting those KPIs according to the industry that you are working with and pushing the agency to deliver more on the planning rather than getting more discount of, out of it. And I've worked with many advertisers in Pakistan who have worked getting more uh, target audience delivered versus reducing the cost. And that has helped them immensely to grow. So those are the things which needs to be covered, especially, and uh, see, unfortunately, the reluctance of the clients or the advertiser comes in because of lack of knowledge or lack of knowledge of the financial or the media supply chain, I would say. So once they understand what the media supply chain is all about, so when they start asking questions to the agency, the agency's response is most of the time is that we are the experts in the market. 
so that is where the advertisers are reluctant to upgrade their contracts and that is one thing again the ana has identified that the clients need to upgrade their knowledge when it comes to media supply chain right right well i'm sure you've heard this before but asking marketers to get them to try to pay attention to these issues the pat response is oh we have we have that covered we have that covered and I'm, I scratch my head because like, how, how is that possible that every advertiser I talk to or every marketer I talk to says, well, we must have that covered. And it, no one's questioning whether that's true. And I, I guess it is a lack of knowledge, like you said, a lack of understanding of the value chain and the intricacies of what's happening downstream from, from them placing the money in the hands of the agency. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's true. And uh, actually, that, that is where uh, the ANA uh, report has uh, helped a lot of advertisers. And there was a specific position that uh, many advertisers have created uh, within their marketing department, which is now named as the chief media officer in addition to the chief marketing officer that they had. Now they have a position named chief media officer. So the chief media officer is, again, a speciality within the marketing, which deals or the or his responsibility is to deal with all the media-related issues. And that is the person who is who should know what goes behind the closed doors on the media side and understand uh, what is happening. And a very few, as, as you said, when you go to a marketer, and I have faced that this many times, uh, when you go to a marketer, the their first impression is that, yes, we are doing it. Or our agency is checking all the work. And the question that raises is, how can a person check his own homework? I'm creating a media plan. I'm executing the media plan. And then I'm checking the media plan execution as well. So how can I check my own homework? So those are the things which, again, because we are in that educational phase uh, where the marketeers are still trying to catch where to bring in the auditor or bring the assurance uh, consultant and how they can help uh, the marketeers grow from there without rocking the boat. How should marketers get started if they want to start auditing their media? See, I feel and I, I strongly believe this, that the marketers and the finance department or the internal department, internal audit department, these are the custodians of the assurance, uh, media assurance. So marketer is basically given the budgets to execute on the media. And then when the budgets come in, when the, uh, it gets executed, the finance or the internal audit 
verifies whether it got delivered and they got delivered in in a correct manner but finance side only has limited knowledge with respect to the financial terms of it so that is where the marketers need to bring in the assurance and on two levels one is the annual level where they are signing up on their contract setting their kpis uh sign trying to figure out what to be included and excluded from the contract and i give you an example again from the ana report which i didn't which got identified was that the agency was acting as a principal on behalf of the advertisers which was again something uh, that creates conflict of interest that an agent cannot act as a principal without getting approval from the advertiser so again all of these areas so the marketer needs to start from the point where they are getting into a contract with the agency and setting up their kpis that is where the media assurance or the media audit uh, consultant comes in to help the marketer set up the right kpis based on the industry practice and i have worked on with many uh, advertisers where the agencies have asked us for benchmarks that okay if your consultant is suggesting that the benchmark should be set at 40% and not at 20% then please give us a market benchmark which shows that there is a 40% possible in this market and i have shared many cases uh, with my advertiser with uh, my with my clients sharing with the agencies suggesting that these benchmarks are possible in the market interesting well i mean you've you've laid out a ton of things for marketers to be thinking about any advice or additional tips or suggestions before we transition i think the most important right now for marketers is to stay abreast with the growing media complexities they need to continuously update their media process uh, understanding how the media is getting more complex and complex and especially with digital digital is a brilliant medium to work with if it is being used properly unfortunately it is plagued by ad fraud and the supply chain uh, pilferages so that is something that the marketers need to upgrade themselves on how to control and many agencies have now set up their own trading desks and they have been buying uh, through that trading desk and it is getting more complicated and the more complicated structure and i suggest i tell you uh, uh, companies or agencies in pakistan who are uh, who have set up their their parent companies in dubai and singapore and uh, other countries and they are buying inventory from there and the advertisers have no clue about it that they they are being paid and then there there are issues with respect to uh, the foreign exchange rules and regulations there are uh, issues with respect to taxations so all of this needs to be understood by the marketers when they are doing and and the ana report is just uh, uh, have just pointed out on the atl or the television media which again needs to be looked into and i have said earlier as well in our conversation that there is a simple solution to it which unfortunately uh, neither ana has identified or nor i have seen on any forum and with the easiest way to curtail down all these transparency issues is by by the advertiser paying directly to the media instead of paying through the agency right now the process is that the advertiser pays the agency and the agency pays to the media so instead of doing that if the advertiser starts paying directly to the media so there will be less transparency issues i wouldn't say that uh, the transparency transparency issues will go away but there will be less transparency issues 
No, that's that's smart. I mean, and at least would provide, to your point, some level of transparency <laughs> for what you're buying. And you could still pay your media agency the expertise for helping you, uh, uh, you know, uh, align your mix or to help you find where to best place those advertising dollars. It's an interesting solve. See, because uh, see, at the end of the day, uh, the the biggest issue that ANA raised is uh, rebates, which again is financial outage and other areas which eventually uh, comes down to financial outage. So the, the easiest way to plug that financial outage is to start paying the media directly instead of going through the agency because it is not just the rebate issue but there are times where uh, the agencies keep the money with themselves and not pay the media on time and there are longer uh, outstandings on the other side so longer uh, payment period so they are utilizing the money that the advertisers have paid them which was supposed to go to the media right right and to your point like you know we're talking about millions and millions of dollars that are being at work you know it's just if you're able to earn 1% on that money for a short period of time, that's a huge win for your margin if you're a media agency. See, and I don't blame the agency, frankly speaking. I've sat on the agency side. They are there to make money. It's as simple as that. So they'll make money. Where, and I've sat on the agency sites uh, looking at the contracts, looking at the clients, assessing how the clients think or what the client requires at that exact moment and just give that thing to the client and just make money some, from somewhere else without telling the client that they are, they are making money. It seems very similar. I mean, in, in many respects, if we if we took like a finance analogy and applied it to this, I mean, the media companies have become like investment banks for, <laughs> for media dollars. And I don't think we're treating them necessarily as such. We're still treating them as, as extensions of our marketing team, not brokers on our behalf that are monetizing both sides of the transaction. Well, that has always been the case. Advertisers have always went up to the agencies suggesting that we are not appointing you as a third-party agency, but we are appointing you as our partners. So that is what ANA has suggested, that we, the advertisers, have trusted blindly on the agencies. Right. And to your point, with money flow, if the money flows through, there's a large incentive to figure out ways in which to make more money. <laughs> I'll quote Bill Duggan. Uh, I was just going through uh, some website that the trust between clients and the agencies is at an all-time low. And I would like, as Bill Duggan said, that uh, he would like to hear somebody saying otherwise. And then he went on to the say, went on to saying that from the agencies, we have been getting denial, delay, and deflect. And at some point in time, they'd like to they like the agencies to come clean, which hasn't happened as yet. Although uh, many many pointers that uh, ANA report has suggested, it has gotten proven in the U.S. market that this is what was actually happening. Yeah, yeah, there definitely have been record numbers of media reviews in a particular, and um, there is some crack in the wall. I still, it's not the watershed moment that I would have expected. And I'm still waiting for, for that bigger change to come, even in the U.S. market. I think the, the, the audit, actually, uh, the audit, especially the media audit, and I have also come across that issue as well. So when, when it comes, when you talk to a CFO of an organization and you talk about media audit, and the, the moment they hear the word audit, they go to the big four firms, which are the big four financial firms. 
there as uh, the big four financial firms, although they have great knowledge about the financial aspect, but they do not understand how media works and how the, and there are various areas. And I've come across that as well, that there are conflict of interest. On one hand, they are either auditing the agency or they are doing an, uh, doing a financial audit uh, in terms of, uh, they are doing financial audit of uh, the media outlet. So when they are doing a financial audit of a media outlet or the agency, obviously they cannot use that knowledge and bring it to the client side when they are doing media audit. So one, they don't have the knowledge uh, with respect to the media transactions and two, then there are conflict of interests. So that again is, uh, is a learning curve that the marketers have to overcome. Then when, that, uh, when it comes to media audit, they need to hire a specialist who understands the media. And it's not an audit in terms of financial audit terms, but it's an audit of the media, which they are, uh, they are basically uh, spending behind. No, you make a, a really great point there that I just want to underline on the big four in the fact that when we're talking about a media audit, an audit of the media, you really have to look at the full value chain right? Like versus the singular transaction that's happening between two parties. And you make a really great point that they will be conflicted out from actually doing some of some of that analysis because their client, they have multiple clients in the in the value chain. So yeah, huh. I never thought about that one. That's a, that's a really, it's a really good point. Interesting. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation about media auditing and, and, and the value chain. I want to switch gears if it's okay and ask you just a few few questions. We like to get to know on the show the people behind the microphone, behind the issues. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite questions to ask is, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Well, uh, as I say, uh, I've said it in an interview uh, earlier uh, I, I believe a visa interview, I believe I was giving and somebody asked me that you have, you're an accountant. And at that time I, I was the CEO at OMD and he was like, but your position said, C, says uh, CEO. And I told him that, okay, th this is something that I've done with myself. I've challenged myself and uh, I've challenged myself in every area that I've come across. And that is why if you see my profile, you'll see media buying, uh, buying head, the CEO. I've done media consulting. I've done media measurement consulting. I've even gotten into sports management and uh, a few projects with respect to process improvement consultancy on the tax, textile industry as well. So textile industry is, a, is altogether a different industry uh, uh, compared to media. But I have done consultancies uh, uh, on process management over there as well. And that comes from only the fact that I have challenged myself across out of my comfort zone. So that is something that I've experienced over life that till such time that I challenge my comfort zone, I will not be able to grow. And you put me in any, any area or in any industry and I'll be uh, able to make it simple and I'll be able to uh, make the repetitive process into an automation, automated process and uh, just grow from there. And that is what I have done all through my life, challenging myself, but keeping an eye on the bottom line. So, so the bottom line needs to be, needs to get delivered. So again, accounting and all the industry experiences and the processes, basically I've come a full circle now. And that has helped me learn and learn about all industries. And I still uh, strive to learn. I love that. 
I love that. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over again? Younger self? Well, I, uh, one thing is to be more patient, especially with the people around us, uh, whether they are our co-workers, at home, friends. See, because when you're young uh, and you're a go-getter and you're trying to uh, challenge your comfort zone, then you, you look around and you start looking at people and asking them the same question why aren't you doing that and that actually that is where you lose a lot of things the reality is our network of relationships are a key part of our success and that is something that i would advise to my younger self it's the people who put us in touch with new opportunities innovative ideas and not the tasks that you complete so although i've i've uh, challenged myself all through my life but i think networking and giving time and listening to others uh, actually help a lot gotcha well this next question i want to ask is a little bit of a silly question that i've been asking folks but i'm building my shopping list as i ask it so <laughs> wondering if there's a been an impactful purchase you can do the translation but roughly 100 us dollar equivalent that you've made in the last 6 to 12 months that you would be up for sharing well i think uh, a very good investment as i recently made was into a golf driver i've started playing golf a year and a half back and uh, i've uh, recently bought into a golf driver and that actually has helped and i started uh, again i started playing golf uh, to get back into that concentrating zone because it requires a lot of concentration and that has helped me get my game into the groove and i've been consistent get uh, one of few tournaments as well so yes uh, golf driver would be top of my list <laughs> i like it i like it stepping back i want to ask you two more marketing questions and then we'll wrap up but curious if there is any brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of well uh, i in pakistani market as you see there is a lot of fragmentation with uh, uh, when it comes to uh, socio economic classes so we have a, a huge uh, socio economic class yeah, d and e where people are poor and they are uh, on a daily on daily wages and in addition to that we have a huge uh, segment of youth so we got about uh, 45 or 48% of youth in our uh, social uh, on our demographics so there was a time when i was on the media agency side i uh, became a philanthropist and I, i was like i created a sports league uh, for our for the youth that were uh, working during the day and who loved to play soccer in the evening and uh, believe it or not uh, i found out uh, during that time as well that there were more than 500 registered foot soccer clubs in pakistan or in karachi only sorry not pakistan in karachi only and that basically if you multiply 500 into 20 kids playing uh, per club so that gives you a big number and the idea was to bring those uh, kids and nurture them so that their skills get promoted and they get paid to play so during the day they were working because they were daily wage earners for their families perhaps in some cases they were single uh, earner for their families so to bring them in pay them to play nurture their skills and take them to the next level so uh, i created a a soccer league which i ran for 2 years and uh, they, it got televised as well so they get got exposure on television as well so that was very close to my heart that cause and i've been uh, uh, trying to uh, figure out way to get back to that as well so that is something and i to nurture that youth i think that that gives a lot of satisfaction yeah 
Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. That sounds phenomenal. Well, thank you for doing that. That's, that's amazing. Last question for you. And I think I know probably what the answer might be is <laughs> what's the largest either opportunity or threat that marketers are facing today? Well, I will start with the opportunity. I think the biggest uh, opportunity today is uh, for the marketers to directly connect with their customers, the consumers. I think digital marketing or digital has given them a platform where the marketers can, can connect directly with their consumers and get feedback instantly and respond to that feedback instantly and re-strategize and re-strategize on the go. And that has never been the case. I think if digital marketing is used properly around the globe, I think the marketers will see and not through third party agencies, but uh, to do it in house, set it up themselves in house, because that is what, how they'll be able to control how their consumer think or how what their consumer will do eventually what they want to do. And I was talking to one of the uh, one of my clients uh, this morning and I told them as well, he was like trying to identify how to uh, evaluate marketing versus sales. And I was like, the easiest way to do is if you are doing digital, then you go e-commerce and you can directly connect the e-commerce sales with the digital advertising that you're doing. But in term, in other mediums, where it's television, whether it's out of home, whether it's uh, radio, it's very difficult to create a direct correlation. So biggest opportunity right now the marketers have on their hand is to use the digital arena and connect directly with their consumers. The threat... Uh, Again, stemming from the same thing is lack of knowledge. That's the biggest threat right now. Lack of knowledge. They need to learn about the media supply chain. They need to learn where the money is going. Again, it, it can be looked upon as an opportunity as well for the marketers to upgrade themselves to a level where they can question the agencies. Because unfortunately, the only source of information that they have is the agency. And uh, I think uh, people around the globe who have done uh, Google and Facebook analytics and they've gotten blue belts and black belts would understand that it is only learning that software. All these companies will not tell you what's going behind the door, but learning that software and understanding how to use them and how to use them in your benefit is something that can be looked at an opportunity or it can be a threat for a marketer. Yeah. Rizwan, I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and I, I would just uh, uh, take a moment here. Uh, I think to conclude my conversation on the audit side, I think the marketers need to take control of their budgets. That is the key when it comes to uh, uh, media, because I've sat on the media agency side and believe me, it's very easy to make money over there. So the marketers, if they want to safeguard the money that they are spending, they need to take control. And uh, that is where it's, uh, that is what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 